This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year. I am so happy you're listening today. Happiness Solved is dedicated to giving you content that is empowering, motivational, inspirational, and of course, a dose of happiness. It's my way to give back to the world and share other people's stories. This thing called life can be challenging, and my guests share their amazing stories, wisdom, and life lessons that demonstrate anyone can choose happiness. You see, happiness is a journey, not a destination. I'm Sandy Scarlatta, and I have been inspiring others to shift their mindset and choose happiness for over 20 years. As we head into a new year, here's some food for thought. How many times have you gotten excited to make your New Year's resolutions only to abandon them? It's okay, you're not alone. Statistics show that roughly 50% of the population sets New Year's resolutions, and yet the majority of those give up within the first 30 to 45 days. In fact, 80% of people who make New Year's resolutions will abandon them during the month of February. I want more than anything for you to succeed in 2023 and have five tips to share with you. One, create a detailed plan on how you're going to ensure that you follow through and take action. Two, get an accountability partner. Three, attach your emotions to the goals. What I mean by that is how will achieving them make you feel? Four, set up an app to track your goals or set up an alarm on your phone to remind you to take action. And lastly, five, celebrate your wins. This is so important because when you celebrate it and give yourself a pat on the back, what you're doing is you're reinforcing that positive behavior and you're more likely to continue doing it. So thank you so much for listening today. And don't forget to leave a review and follow me on social media at Coach Sandy Scarlatta. Today's episode is amazing and I am so grateful for you. Enjoy the show. Dr. John Terry, it's such an honor and a privilege to have you here today. I'm so excited for this interview because you are known as the Black Belt Leader. I've been a elite athlete for going on 50 years of my life now. So I love talking with fellow athletes because we we share that common goal of that intensity and everything. How are you doing today? <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much for asking and honored to be here with you. And I love in your, for those of you who are listening to this, you, you know, you won't see his background, but you've got so many plaques and awards in your background. And I want to talk about all of that, but let me give the audience just a, a quick introduction of you. So you're a three-time martial arts hall of fame inductee. I mean, that right there is just off the charts. You're also a best-selling and an in-demand international public speaker, and you teach back belt principles. And we're going to dive into all of that. So I'm so excited for this conversation. And, but first I want to know about your backstory. Like how did you get involved in martial arts and how did you even get to this point? I mean, because you're just so accomplished in your, in your field. You know, Sandra, it's, it's interesting. When I think back to my story, dad asked me the other day, he said, John, did you think that you would be where you are now when I put you in martial arts at the age of 13? And the backstory to that, Sandy, is my parents had moved from a big city to a small town. Dad had an opportunity to buy into a furniture store and was relocating and starting in a new industry. 
So they kept telling me, you know, John, you're going to you're going to get to be somebody. You're going to get to play football. You're going to get to play basketball because it's a small school and you're not going to be one of hundreds of kids trying out for the team. So I got all excited until I got to this small town. And sure enough, I became a somebody. I became the target of every bully in school and little scrawny, skinny kid. I would go to complain to my dad and I said, dad, I'm ready to move back to the big city and go back to being a nobody because I don't like being this somebody because I'm getting picked on every day at school. Dad said, I'll fix it. I thought he was going to the school principal. No, he takes me down to this back hole karate school back in the days that kids didn't take martial arts. Uh, he'd met the instructor, sold him some furniture. And as a result of that, the, he told my, the instructor what was going on. He said, yeah, I'll take your son in. So I walk in and I'm the only 13-year-old kid in this school of grown, massive men that look like they could break me with a, you know, with a snap of their finger. And I'm thinking, dear God, what has my dad got me into? So he introduces <laughs> me to the instructor. Uh, and I'm like, okay, this is cool. I get a chance to be Bruce Lee. I mean, who didn't want to be Bruce Lee? He was Cato in the Green Hornet back in those days. Uh, right. And then my saving grace, I thought, was the instructor said, John, I'm glad you're here. We've had this young girl join our school and you're just about her size. And introduces me to this beautiful 23-year-old girl. Looked like she just stepped out of Sports <laughs> Illustrated. And I thought <laughs> I had died and gone to heaven. Well, little did I know she'd come out of a bad relationship and was getting into the martial arts to learn to defend herself. So the standing joke at the house was my dad was paying good money for me to get beat up by a girl three days a week to learn how to defend myself. <laughs> and out of that, I fell in love with the martial arts. I now have black belts in multiple systems. I have five black belts in five different martial arts systems. Uh, and then in 2008, I was inducted into the United States Martial Arts Hall of Fame. 2016, the Masters Hall of Fame. Last year was inducted into the International Martial Arts Hall of Fame. And in 2016, actually took over running the United States Martial Arts Hall of Fame as the founder of that organization. And I became very good friends. And I was blessed with the opportunity to be the inheritor of that association to continue to run and build upon the work of Professor Marty Kale, who started that organization back in the year 2000. So we're about to have our 24th annual event this July in Houston and looking forward to a three day camp and an opportunity to recognize and honor some amazing men and women for their accomplishments in the martial arts. Wow. That's incredible because I have a gold medal in ice dancing and it's interesting because people are like, Oh, you're in the Olympics. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, and I always compare it to a black belt. I'm like getting a, a gold medal in figure skating is like getting your black belt. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's, it's still a huge accomplishment, you know, regardless, even though I wasn't in the Olympics because I did it at the age of 34 years old, which was no small feat, just like, just as if I was going to, you know, get a black belt at that age, at any age, it's, it's no small feat. So let's talk about your black belt principles, because that's, that's really intriguing to me because I, I work with, I coach high performing athletes. And I have my own set of principles, and I'm really curious as to what are the black belt principles that you teach and instill with your clients and students? Well, Sandy, the black belt principles you can find in a couple of places. And so for your audience that may be interested, they can go to my website, beablackbeltleader.com, because who doesn't want to be a black belt leader? So right. beablackbeltleader.com, there's actually a downloadable poster that has the 10 character qualities of what it means to be a black belt leader available for free on the site. 
It's also in my book available on my website and on Amazon.com called Black Belt Leadership 101. But those essential character qualities, I broke down looking at what have I learned over 30 plus years in the martial arts and how can I apply those to life so that I can learn to lead myself well, make good choices and live life with black belt excellence. So as I looked at all the things I've learned over the years in the martial arts, I really honed it down to 10 essential character qualities. And I'll just real quickly run through those. The okay. first is, and, and it's an acrostic, it's black belt. So it's easy to remember. So the first B in black belt is belief. You've got to believe in yourself. And I believe everybody on the earth was born with their own unique black belt leader within. The problem is most people go through life, living life as a white belt because they never believe in themselves enough to look inside and discover the gifts and talents they've been given and cultivate and develop those to their full potential so they can deploy them in the earth and make a difference. So it starts right. with belief. And then from there, it's learning. Once you believe that this is your calling, this is your passion, this is what you've been called to do, you've now got to go through this learning phase that you learn how to develop those gifts, those talents, those abilities, just like skating, just like tennis, the other things we talked about before we came online, any world-class athlete learns every day something they can apply, something they can get better at, and they never stop the journey of personal development. The uh, A in Black Belt Leadership is accountability. You've got to be accountable to yourself, to your calling, and those that are leading you and those that are going to be following you. The C that follows that is communication. You've got to be an effective communicator because leaders' responsibility is to replicate other leaders. That means you've got to be able to communicate what's in your heart and what's in your head to those that are following you, sharing your wisdom, your knowledge, your insight to those individuals so they can discover their own unique black belt leader and become who they were created to be. The K is kinetic because leaders are people of action. You can't lead from behind. You can't lead sitting on the bench. You've got to get off the bench and get in the game. You've got to get off the bench. You've got to get in the ring. You've got to get off the bench. You've got to pick up the racket and go play tennis. You can use any sports analogy you want, but you've got to be a person of action. You know, this is what you've been called to do. You've trained, you've learned what you need to do. You just go do it. Knowing you may not do it right the first time, but you keep going back and you keep getting better. Right. Now we move to the belt. So the next B is boldness. Leaders are bold. They're not shy. They're not passive. They're not quiet. They are the ones that are out front. They've got the machete. They're hacking the trail into unknown territory. Leaders go first and you have to be bold to be able to do that. Now you may be uncomfortable. You may be afraid and that's okay, but you can still walk with boldness knowing you've been called and equipped and you're prepared to face the challenges in life you're going to experience. The E is then equipped because part of being a black belt leader is equipping other people on the team because Dr. John Maxwell, one of my mentors says, one is too small a number to achieve greatness. You gotta right. be able to equip those around you so they can add to what you're doing. They can complement you in the areas of your weakness so that you build a high performance team that together the sum is more than the individual parts. As you move from that into the L, you begin to develop loyalty. You are loyal to the people that are following you. You build loyalty with them by being consistent, being transparent, being congruent in your values and beliefs and convictions that align with what you're doing. And as a result of that, you build this incredible brand of loyalty that people are willing to come alongside of you, champion the cause you're pursuing, 
and from that achieve the greatness you've been called to do. When that happens, the T is transformation. You begin mm. to become a better version of who you are. And when you become a better version of who you are by improving the quality of your thinking, the quality of your choices and the quality of the actions that you're engaging in by consistently getting better and better, you transform your life. You truly step into the greatness of who you are and you move beyond just occasional success to living a life of significance. Now, the last character quality is not in black belt. That's nine letters. The last one is a martial arts concept called Mushin. And Mushin is a word that means no mind. And when you get to the point that you've ultimately arrived at really stepping into your greatness as a black belt leader, you no longer have to stop and ask yourself, what would a black belt leader say? What would they do? What would they think? Because you have become that person. And as a result of that, somebody throws a punch. I don't have to think, well, do I do a high block, an outside block, an inside block? I just do it because I've trained myself to the point I can respond as a black belt leader without conscious thought. And I have lived that life to the point that it becomes who I am on the inside. You know that from playing tennis. You throw the ball in the air. You don't have to think, well, when do I start the swing to hit the ball and drive it in, uh, right over the top of the net so I can score an ace? You've developed your skill to the point you don't have to think, you just do. And so those are the 10 character qualities of what it means to be a black belt leader. Oh, Dr. John, this is like massive golden nuggets that you just delivered to my audience in less than five minutes. Because every single one of those, well, yes, you can apply it to being a leader. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And for those that are listening that you don't consider yourself a leader, apply those to your life, just yeah. for personal development. Well, everybody I mean, is leading those. someone somewhere yeah. right well, now. Of course. You know, you're right. leading yourself first, but then right. you may be leading your spouse your children, your yeah. co-workers, you're a teacher at school, you're leading students, uh, you're an employer and you've got employees, you're leading employees. We're all leading someone somewhere every day. The question we have to ask ourselves when we look in the mirror is how good a job am I doing leading me? Because I can't right. lead other people more effectively than I lead me. Yeah, without doubt, without a doubt. Um, so the very first one, belief, that I have found in working with athletes that is one of the biggest barriers that people have to get through. It sure is. And it's not just in athletics, it's in life. It is. In everything that we're doing. Why do you think that is? You know, we live today, I, I did a training yesterday on looking at some of the different demographics living today. And one of the things that I found is that, you know, if we look at the, the greatest generation, the silent generation, they poured into their kids a belief system that was based upon the struggles they went through. And right. as a family, they went through struggles and they had to learn to believe in each other. They had to learn to believe in themselves because it was a difficult time. And it's interesting that, you know, difficult times create strong people. Strong right. people create good times and good times create weak people. And if we look at what's happened over the last several years, when we've lived in a lot of opulence, people have gotten comfortable with just showing up and getting a medal and they don't have to perform. They can simply sit on the bench and they get a participation trophy. They get a medal simply for showing up, but they don't take the time to look in themselves and see what's there. And they've been told by their parents, well, you're stupid, you're ignorant. You're never going to be able to do this. And we've got a lot of negativity in the home today. 
And in the early formative years of our lives, our parents and our influencers play such a pivotal role in building our self-esteem and building our confidence in ourselves. And we have so many parents today that weren't taught how to be good parents and how to build those principles into their children from an early age that we now have a generation that doesn't believe they have value. They see themselves as victims. They see themselves as being oppressed. And as a result of that, they struggle with being able to look in and seeing it doesn't matter what happened in the past. What I have today, I can step into my greatness and be what I've been put on this earth to be and accomplish something great. But for so many people, they've never given the opportunity by being taught to believe in themselves. And as a result of that, they get into the world of social media that's just constantly bombarding people with this negativity. And they just say, I'm just content to be a nobody. And we got a lot of nobodies walking around, not fulfilling their potential. And there's a lot of untapped opportunity that's simply not being taken advantage of. Yeah. And I think we see that a lot in today's world. And it's not across the board. I think it's, it's a demographic thing. And I've had this conversation with some of my girlfriends because where I live in the part of the world I live, I'm outside of Washington, D.C., and we all admit we're living in a bubble here. It, it's a complete bubble. Um, the rest of the country doesn't have the same lifestyle that we have here. And I think it's mostly because we have the federal government here. We're kind of recession proof. You know, there's always an abundance of jobs and opportunity. And you have a lot of these kids that are raised by successful parents. And so they have that role model, right? Right. But that's only the case in very small demographic areas, because I think in most of the country, there is a lot of struggle and there is a lot of negativity in the home. And we have a whole generation of kids and young adults that don't have the same work ethic. That's right. That, you know, and, yeah. and I feel like, you know, as a society, the United States, you know, we're, we're headed down a path that, it's going to be really hard to get out of. And I'm not trying to be cynical. I'm being more of a realist here. Yeah. 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 You know, I'm thinking too, you know, uh, there was a book recently written that was called a new kind of diversity uh, by Dr. Tim Elmore, uh, an amazing book on looking at the different demographics in the earth. But he made an interesting statement in the book. He said, you know, if we look at the older generations, the, the greatest generation, the silent generation, and even the boomers, they gave their kids what they needed, but they prepared their kids for the path. But then we get to generation uh, X, we get to the kids of the boomers, and those were the latchkey kids that they were left to raise themselves, never had those good parental <laughs> examples. And then from that, they raised the millennials and the Gen X parents as a demographic didn't give their kids what they wanted. They indulged them and they spoiled them and they gave them everything they needed and demanded uh, and wanted and desired. And they didn't have to work for anything. And as a result of that, these kids now moving into the workplace have a sense of entitlement is that, well, I believe I'm special because my parents told me I'm special. And those parents inadvertently didn't prepare their kids for the path. They tried to prepare the path for the children without getting them prepared to step in and face what you and I have experienced in life and they've yet to experience. And when they were yeah. sheltered from failure and fear and, and, you know, all the other issues of learning from the mistakes we've made and told that you're always going to be a winner, even if you just show up, it's created a sense of a lack of work ethic that right. is going to be causing problems 
uh, until they come to the realization, oh my goodness, I'm not as special as I think I was. There's some things I need to learn to really step into my greatness. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said a thousand percent. And so my son is a senior in college. He's 22 years old. And I recognize this because I was one of those parents that just because I had so much tragedy and struggle, I didn't want my child to, to have to go through that. Right. Yeah. Now we had our own set of issues in our family dynamic that my son learned the hard way at the age of 13 that, you know, life throws you, you know, really hard, hard stuff at times. And I'll never forget his eighth grade graduation, right? And there's this big ceremony and we're outside and I'm just going along with it and I'm taking pictures and it was him and his friend. And I looked at them and I, cause they're like all proud of themselves. And I looked at them, I said, do you guys understand that you have not accomplished anything? And they're like, what? What do you mean? I go, you're supposed to go to the ninth grade. This is not a huge accomplishment. This isn't back in the 1800s when, you know, you have to stop going to school or probably early 1900s, you have to stop going to school because you got to work in the farm, right? In the eighth grade. Yeah. I'm like, this is nothing. And I started at that point really kind of bringing it down for him because I could see where this was headed. Absolutely. And it was a rude awakening to him. He was just... Yeah. You know, one of the things I've seen over the last several years is we as a nation here in the United States and many of the developed countries have begun to reward mediocrity and we've yeah. begun to reward average. And what we know from studies of neuroscience and studying, you know, how the brain operates and, and how we make decisions, what gets rewarded gets repeated. And when yeah. we're willing to accept mediocrity, we're willing to accept lackluster or average as this is okay. And there, you don't have to strive any harder. That's what you're going to get more of. That's why yeah. there's been such a huge push. And what I do is to get people to see there's a different road. And if you want to truly be a world-class professional at who you are, what you do, it is a strive for excellence. Yes. And, and Sandy, most people think when they get their black belt, they've arrived. And I own three successful schools for a number of years before I sold those schools and went into just full-time coaching and personal and professional development. And I would tell young students at three and four coming into the school, it's like, Mr. Terry, when am I going to get my black belt? And I'm like, when you get your black belt, you've only just begun. And they would look That's at right. me and they'd say, what do you mean? And I would say the founder of the first system I got a black belt in was Shoren Root. And when you went to train in his school, Yezo Shimabuku was his name and he lived in uh, Okinawa. Everybody got a white belt. When he gave you a black belt, it was not a symbol that you had arrived and that you were the master. It was a sign to him after several years of training that you were now a serious student. And only then could he truly begin to teach you. And that stuck with me early on. Yeah. And most folks don't realize that once you get to black belt, there are 10 levels of black belt in every martial <laughs> arts system. And That's right. you never get to the finish line. There's always something more to learn. There's always something you, that you can get better at and improve. And the minute you stop doing that, you cease to be as effective as you could be. And that's life. That is life. You never stop growing. Yeah. You know, I had just, just in the past year, 
I remember being on, on some call and I was like, you know, some days I wake up and I'm like, have I arrived yet? Because this is, you know, it's like you're constant and it's like, nope, I haven't. I got to keep, and that's okay. Right. You always have to be growing and learning and changing um, because otherwise, yeah, it's just stagnant. And, and, and that's what life is truly about. So back to this whole thing with, with these younger generation, what, what do you think, what do you think can be done about that? For the listeners out there, if that resonates with you and you want to really make a change in your community, how can people go about that? Because we can't change the whole world overnight, but we can, you know, change our local communities and, and, and things like that. What, do you, what would you suggest that people do in order to have that mentality? To me, it goes back to belief. And you've got yeah. to get your kids believing that they were put on this earth on purpose for a purpose. And they've got to begin and you've got to teach those kids to look within and discover what that purpose and that calling is. You've got to give your kids a passion for personal growth and development. Uh, Ray Kroc, who was the founder of the McDonald's franchise and took it globally. Ray has right. a saying that I love and I use it often when I'm teaching. He says, as long as you're green, you're growing. Once you're ripe, you start to rot. Yeah. And think about that. The average high school student after they graduate high school never will read another book cover to cover the rest of their lives. They stop learning once they graduate high school. If they go into college and they do college, they do what they have to do to get through college just to survive. Right. And then they stop. They say, I have arrived. Well, if you think about life, and I think of life as trying to climb Mount Everest, you don't get to Mount Everest simply by starting at the bottom and going to the top of the mountain. I learned this from talking to an amazing young woman that climbed Mount Everest not once but twice. And wow. she was telling me that she said, you show up at camp and you stay at camp to acclimate. You then from there climb to a certain height through this dangerous icy field and you get to this base camp at base camp one. You stay there for a certain period of time to acclimate. You then climb back down all the way back to the where you started and you acclimate again and then you go back to camp one. You stay there for a while and then you go to camp two. Then you go back down to one. Then you go all the way back down to where you started. And then you go back to one and then two and then three. Each time you think you've arrived, but it's only one step in the journey of life that you're going to continue to be climbing. And all of our lives, we're continually climbing a mountain of success. We will never truly get to the top. And I like to define the success and significance as success is momentary. You get to base mm -hmm. camp, you arrived, but there's still another level you can climb to. And when you get to that level, there's still another level you can climb to. When you get to that level, there's still another level. You get to the top of Mount Everest and you summit Mount Everest, guess what? There's another mountain you can go climb. There's K2, there's Mount McKinley, there's all these other mountains you can go climb. But when we choose to say, I'm done. I quit. I've learned all that there is to learn. I have arrived. I am the man. I am the woman. I am whatever. At that point, you have ceased to be green. You've removed yourself from the vine and you've started to rot. And nobody wants to be around rotten people. But when we're not growing and learning, cultivating that black belt leader within, focusing daily on making excellence our goal, being a little bit better every day than the day before, we're starting to become a rotten person. Mm. 
that whole Mount Everest analogy was absolutely brilliant. And I didn't realize that, that, that that's how you have to do it. And that's probably the way you need to do it to be successful, which is why so many people end up dying when, uh, when they're trying to climb Mount Everest. And again, that's another analogy for life, because when you think about it, anytime we get to a point in our life where we think that we've grown, a lot of times we take a few step back, a few steps back, and then you have to push even harder to get back to where you were. And that's the cycle of life. It's, it's a roller coaster ride, right? However you want to phrase it. That is brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. On that same thing, most of the people that die on Everest don't die on the way up. They die on the way down. They've reached the summit and they've got to where they said I've arrived. And then they let their guard down. They stop living and being the best version of themselves. And that's where they slip up and die. And the same Mm -hmm. it is with us in life. We reach some pinnacle. We reach some milestone that we've set for ourselves. And we say, that's it. I'm there. And at that point, we let our guard down. And when we do, that's when we make the mistake we don't recover from. That's when we have the failure that we never learn from. And then we get stuck in this vicious cycle of trying to get back to what we got and not moving forward to go to the next level of the climb or to the next mountain in the journey. Mm, wow. This has been such an amazing conversation. And I love your your 10 principles. And they they all seem to build on one another, which is incredible because I can't, you know, the, the first one, the belief, you like, you've got to start with that. And until you believe that, you, you, you know, until you have that belief inside of you, you're not going to get to it. Um, yeah, this was just absolutely incredible. So can you just talk briefly about some of the ways that people can work with you? Absolutely. I've been doing coaching, training, and consulting even before we even knew what coaching, training, and consulting were. Uh, that's <laughs> what I'm just like you, you know, Uh, my goal in life has been to help people discover, develop and deploy their own black belt leader within. So I do individual coaching. I do team coaching. I work with organizations to help them build high performance, non-leader dependent teams that can become world-class masters at who they are and what they do. The easiest way for folks to reach me is, is through my website, beablackbeltleader.com. Uh, they'll find all my social media there on the contact us page. I've got a weekly podcast. I've got newsletters. I've got, you know, a lot of content going back. Uh, there's courses that they can take some free, some paid. So there's a lot of good content there, but really one place to start be a black belt leader.com. Incredible. So incredible. Is there anything else that you want to share with the audience before we finish up? You know, I think I'll go back to something that we said earlier, and I want to go back because to me, it's so important and it is part of what I do. Uh, I talk to people every day. You have been put on this earth on purpose for a purpose. Your calling and your challenge is to discover what that purpose is and equip yourself to fulfill it. You first got to believe that that's your calling, and then you've got to develop that so you can ultimately deploy it and make a difference in the world. Everybody's leading someone somewhere right now. The question you've got to ask yourself is, how well am I leading me? Because it starts here. And when you improve the quality of who you are, you improve the quality of what you do, your life changes. And so does the world. And that black belt transformation takes place within you. Mm, Love it. And I, I was thinking, I wish that more people would embrace that. 
And the hardest part about growing and changing is that in order to grow, and people, my, my audience has heard me say this multiple times, I'm just going to keep throwing it out there. In order to grow, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. That's right. Yeah. Growth happens in that uncomfortable place that oh. we want to go to. Because and that's it feels, where we learn yeah. what we've never done before. But that's, that's also right. where we learn that we're capable of doing things we didn't believe we could. That's right. Oh, incredible. Dr. John, this has been such an honor and a privilege. Thank you so much. Everybody check out his website, beablackleader.com. It will also be in the show notes. So thank you so much. This has been such a delight. You dropped so many golden nuggets. This is one of the best interviews. I've had so many incredible ones, but this probably had more value than most of the interviews that I've done. So thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Honored to have been here and been a part of uh, your show today. Thank you for the invitation. All right. Thank you, everyone. I certainly hope that you enjoyed today's interview. Thank you so much for joining me. And as always, I hope that you and your family are healthy and safe and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone.